Welcome to the True Spirituality with Ange podcast. I'm here to bring you a version of spirituality that will uplift you, inspire you, and make you feel good. Your belief system does not matter. Everyone is welcome. And along the way, I hope I will help you to build your own spiritual blueprint that will make you feel 100% good about yourself. This is what I have done for myself, thanks to my intuition. So come along for the ride and let's light up the world. You don't need to be religious or even to believe in God. This is an inclusive and diverse space. Let's do this. I'm really excited to come for today's episode called How to Be a Better Person on the podcast. Uh, it took a turn that I didn't expect. So that's quite interesting because I did write a blog post on uh, Medium. I think it was back in October that talked to be how to be a better person. And it was mostly about how to learn to listen to others without judgment and also without interrupting them, which is super, super important. And we talk about this with my um, partner in business, Chantal van der Heigen, in our brand new community called Hurt Not Heard. Um, because listening without interrupting is actually something that is quite rare in our modern life. Um, it seems that we're in um, speaking matches where everybody's trying to um, put their thoughts in, their two cents worth of wisdom, whatever it is. And the art of listening is an art that is super important and actually quite um, hard to master. Uh, I could share my story around listening. Uh, I did train in listening skills um, back in uh, 2007 or 8. I can't remember which one it was. I'm so sorry. I think, no, actually it was 2005. I did a year-long training in listening skills. And at that time, I thought I was a good listener. And then I found out through the training that I wasn't such a good listener after all, because I was listening to wait for an opportunity for me to say my piece. And that's not really listening. So yeah, we can be better persons by listening to other people, uh, making them feel heard, um, and that's important. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about something slightly different. And for me, as a spiritual person, and I'm assuming that you are on your spiritual path yourself or on your spiritual journey, you have to become aware of your own prejudice uh, and how you judge other people. So these are two different things. And... Um, you cannot claim, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be quite firm on this, to be spiritual if you don't explore these two um, sides of yourself and take responsibility for them. And sadly, I have not seen uh, a lot of responsibility taken by um, white spiritual people uh, with regards to the two topics that I'm going to discuss today. Um, so becoming aware of our level of prejudice and what we bring to relationships or to other people is very, very important. We need to become aware of our beliefs. And we also need to become aware of how much prejudiced marginalized groups suffer in society. So I'm inviting you to go on an introspection journey, on reflection journey, 
I'm inviting you not to become uh, defensive about this. So I'm speaking mostly to uh, white spiritual people who are in a position of privilege. And I know that I was quite defensive myself when I was um, shown this aspect of my life because um, I felt I had done something wrong and that I wasn't responsible for all the white people in the world. However, what I didn't realize is that I benefited from the fact that I was a white person, uh, that this benefit I didn't earn um, and that I needed to be aware of this benefit in order to change, uh, to be an agent of change around me, even in the smallest ways and to speak up um, for the inequalities in this world. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that inclusion and diversity is paramount in my um, in my values. And I will not stop talking about it because I think in the spiritual world, it's even more important. And there's a lot of whitewashing. There's a lot of cultural appropriation. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Let's start a little bit with the racism piece. I've always... Um, see myself as not racist um i remember having um i, I remember having uh, arguments with my mother as young as 13 14 year old where i uh counteracted whatever she said because she was she was very racist and it just made my body jump in um discomfort uh the things that she was saying um but what I did realize, though, uh, since I've educated myself more about these topics and I still have so much to learn. So I'm not saying, you know, I get it right. If you I say something that, you know, is not correct, please feel free to reach out and tell me you don't have to, you know, uh, pamper me or, you know, be afraid to hurt my feelings, because at this point, when you're in this debate and in this space, um, um our feelings don't matter uh, until the world is a more fair place for marginalized groups, then um, we need to put our feelings aside. So I remember someone I knew who I consider to be extremely racist um, and they were from my family. So it was very hard for me not to be in touch with them, although I'm no longer in touch with them now. Um, who claimed that they were not racist because they were married to someone from a different race. And um, this has led me to do some research because I wanted to share that with you. Um, it's very common for racist people to have a token friend from a marginalized group or from another race to prove, so to speak, that they are not racist. And um, or to claim that they, you know, either they have a black friend or some of my best friends are black. And usually that's said after they've actually said something very racist. So this doesn't mean anything. And not being racist actually is not the goal. The goal is anti-racism, which is the next step. Anti-racism um, supposes or invites you to see yourself as racist no matter what and to peel off the racism of yourself, even if you're appear to be the most progressive person in the field with regard to racism. So we have to understand that as because there is systematic racism in our society, 
there's systems around us and the way the society is designed that is racist and we benefit from that and i want to give you a very short example of how i've benefited from it um quite a few times and i used to um so at one point in my life i was so um stressed out uh, and i'm not going to go into the reason for this but on, on one or two occasions i i put i forgot to scan something in my cart and i would go back um inside the shop and and pay for it um and i found that the people in the shop were quite understanding um but i became aware after i trained uh, or learned more about anti-racism uh even though it felt nice i knew it was because of the color of my skin and it made me un incredibly uncomfortable because i knew that if a black person had done the same thing as me they would not have got away with it and that is what's wrong. So this is to show you the institutional racism. Um, just to give you an example, black people are nine times more likely to be stopped and searched by the police for suspected drug possession in the UK, even though they're less likely to be users of drugs than white people are. This Let, let this land with you. Nine times more likely to be stopped and searched and when this happens to you again and again and again it's eroding it's infuriating it's soul destroying so we need to do something so that to raise the awareness and and there are people who are activists in this field but i think we can do something um even like for me doing this podcast episode to bring the consciousness to my white friends or white listeners who might not be aware of these situations um there's another thing i want to share with you um and it's that um and i don't know if you knew that but uh, people of color are less likely to receive pain medication despite having the same levels of pain as white people. And that includes children as well, which I think is just heartbreaking. So it's a difference between 57% and 74%. So black people are denied their physical pain in hospitals and sometimes even treatment for cancer. And that stems from the colonial days when white people considered that black people were not actually human and that they didn't feel the pain, which was very convenient for colonialists and slave um, people who had slaves because they can then have a good conscience about what they were doing to their, their own slaves. So, but this has filtered into society and it's still manifests in this way, which is so shocking. When, when I actually learned this fact from a very dear friend of mine whose sister is an activist, and when she told me that, I was like, I cannot believe it. But of course, I have to believe it because it is the truth. And just because we as white people are not aware that this is happening doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And we have to wake up to what is happening in society. We have to stand up for justice and for equal treatment. So this is my invitation how to be a better person is to becoming aware and to becoming like a mini activist in your life so that you stand up you educate and you correct people when they say stupid things about race and, and how you know we live in a, a good world whatever it is i want to say as well and this is true for all the marginalized groups it is absolutely possible to be black and to be racist and i don't mean racist towards white people because um of course that exists 
it's not the issue because what people are uh, in the domineering, um, you know, caste, so to speak. Uh, but you can be black and be racist towards your own people because you've internalized the racism because it's been around you for so long. You don't even realize that it's polluted your own mind. Okay. Just like women can also be sexist towards women. They can be misogynistic. Absolutely. And I've met quite a few of them. So just because you're part of an marginalized com uh, community doesn't mean that you're not actually uh, racist or uh, hostile towards. It could be internalized. And I also had another example from the LGBT community. Um, you know, sometimes, I'm not saying it's very common, but um, if you're a repressed uh, member of that community, you are likely to be harsher on that community than if you had accepted the fact that maybe you're gay or trans or whatever it is. So for as long as you're in denial, you're probably going to be more hostile to this community than than uh, or as hostile as other people. And that's even if you know in your heart that you're not racist or that you're not, um, you know, homophobic or that you're not whatever it is that we're talking about these minorities. There is implicit uh, bias and your awareness is what's going to make the world a better place because it can only start with you. And once you've done the process like I have and I'm far from being finished, then you can help other people who are still blind to their own biases. Okay. So that's very, very important. And um, there's something called tokenism that I wanted to uh, mention again, which is how you recruit or make friends from a marginalized group in order to give the appearance of inclusivity. And sometimes it's not for third person that you do that, it's to give yourself good conscience. Now let's be careful about this because it's actually more harmful, harmful to these communities than helpful, okay? Now, the statistics that I've given you come from the Institute of Race Relations in the UK, although it is a global organization. So educate yourself around that, please. Um, you know, I, I want to give you some other examples of uh, internalized bias that you can inherit from your friend or from your group, uh, your social group. Now, uh, I grew up in Paris. Uh, I grew up in a family that was bourgeois, you know, well off financially. And um, I was brought up by people who thought that gay people were pedophiles, right? And because in France, and it's still sadly still the same, the actual slur for homosexual is PD, the two letters PD, which means pedophile. And I have no idea why this was the case, but that's that's what it is. And so I had a lot of gay friends at uni that I made and I absolutely loved them. And my parents accused me of being irresponsible to allow, once I became a mum, to allow my children to hang out with my gay friends, which I thought was um, shocking. This could have been internalized. Luckily, I didn't. But just be aware of these things that linger in the background that you have inherited from other people or from your language. Like here, we're talking about the French language. Why I, uh, does the French language call gay people pedophiles? Uh, this is just so shocking to me because it's got nothing. One has nothing to do with the other. So just a small pause to mention something quite exciting that's happening right now. I have created a quiz 
And I was wondering if you'd like to take it. So in order to do that, um, I will be adding a link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter, which means that you'll receive my musing, some offers, and um, then you'll make sure that you'll know what kind of content I put up because I'm also an author with um, the Taoist Online on Medium. So the quiz. Um, I work with a framework with my one-to-one client called the EPIC framework. And this framework enables you to um, establish the foundations of your success. Most people don't reach their full potential because these four um, pillars are not in place. And these pillars for me are energy, prosperity, intuition, and mindset. So if one of these pillars is not rock solid, uh, when you reach a certain level of success, you will be uh, probably sabotaging yourself. So this is what it can look like. Um, you know, you, you've just had a promotion or your business is doing really well. Your relationship is amazing. Um, you love your life, but then you get very sick. Perhaps because you don't have time to rest, you're constantly on the go, etc. So that's the energy pillar. The prosperity pillar surprises me often, but it can happen for people who are actually really um, successful. Um, their money's coming in beautifully, but then whenever they reach a level that goes above what they're comfortable with with money, and this can be an unconscious thing, a huge bill comes in or something breaks down, or and it almost seems like whenever they have this big big pot of money coming in, it's immediately used for something else. That's when your prosperity pillar needs working on. Um, intuition is more likely to be about, um, a little bit about the law of attraction as well. It's, it's around uh, being able to make decisions in an easy to get in the flow of life and also um, to start understanding that it's not all down to you, that the universe actually co-creates with you. And the last one, mindset, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't want this interruption to be too long, but um, you can see how these four pillars are absolutely vital if you want to reach your next level of success without having to sacrifice your health, your relationships, or even your sanity. So um, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. You will receive um, the quiz as a PDF, and I'd love to know which of the four pillars needs more work for you? So feel free also to reach out. Uh, the best way to do that is on Facebook right, so or LinkedIn. I'm going to give you a little uh, bit of a, a homework to do both. around uh, what to we're discussing. A little practice. I want to ask yourself, if you're dating, do you swipe left all the people of color? Right? Would you be more likely to swipe them left? If you're renting a place, Suppose you had a studio to rent. Would you rent your property to a Muslim or a person of color? If you hire people as an employer, would you reject reject certain candidates because of their skin color? Now, of course, you're not going to be necessarily aware that you're doing it. You might do it automatically without thinking. I want you to become aware. Now, how do we raise our awareness to all these things is by 
questioning our beliefs and by maybe having, if it's not a little notebook or having an app or something in your phone where when you become aware of something and you might start by becoming aware of someone else doing it before you're aware that you're doing it as well. It's just as good. It doesn't matter where it starts. What I want you is to become aware, right? Because our beliefs are embedded in our lives, like the furniture in your home. And the thing is, I'm sure you understand that if you've been living in your home for a very long time, if you've had the same furniture, you don't actually notice them anymore. It's in the background. You walk in, you sit on your sofa, you don't look at your sofa the same. It's become part of the background. Your beliefs are the same. So you want to almost walk into your life with as if you were an alien that landed on the earth into your life and look at everything with fresh pair of eyes. And it could be that it's your friends who are going to help you with this. Um, I find that children are wonderful for that as well. Just note it down and start reflecting on this. Now, what I'm going to talk about next is specifically for my friends who are quite far into the spiritual path, but I I did these things myself. I'm not very proud that I've done them because I didn't know any better. Because at the time when I started my spiritual journey 20 years ago, there was no, not much, or at least not in my circles, awareness of the cultural appropriation and of whitewashing and all that sort of thing. So what triggered for me um, this episode or wanting to talk about it, of course, I've wanted to talk about it for a long time, but uh, recently on LinkedIn, only three, four days ago, I was made aware of a Dragon Dance episode where a white man from the UK um, is uh, building a business around uh, selling full power cacao for cacao ceremonies in the UK. This man went to train with a Guatemalan shaman, thought it was so wonderful, and is building a business around holding these ceremonies and selling the chocolate or the cacao for other people in the UK. And I was shocked when this happened because this is such a good example of cultural appropriation, right? A man goes to train with a shaman in Guatemala and then makes it his business and goes and sell it to other people. The indigenous people of Guatemala, where he went to train with, have been exploited by the Spanish and enslaved in the same way that the Native Americans have by the British and the Americans, etc., uh, etc. Et There's so many examples. Um, Spain, France, and and the, the UK are the, th the three top um, culprits when it comes to cultural appropriation, but also the history of slavery and the history of, of colonialization. So we have to be aware of that. So the fact that this man went there and then came back, it's it's continuing that abuse. I'm sorry to say, even if he thinks that he's so spiritual, I you cannot do that without asking yourself the question, what am I doing? Because for Guatemalan people, cacao ceremony are sacred. They're true to their tradition and their culture. And if you don't have permission to do these ceremonies uh, from them, and if you don't pay back and support the community financially for, for this, then you are depriving them of not only their culture, but also a means for them to sustain themselves financially, which is tragic. Okay. 
So what is cultural appropriation? Let's look at a definition. It's to take a sacred object, or in that case, um, food, but it can also be sage, and I'll give the example in a minute, from a historically marginalized culture and commercializing or turning it into a costume or using it without showing understanding and respect. That man even created a cacao teacher training school. And I find that that really, really rattles me. He's making money on the back of an aspirational practice that is not his. Now, again, I'm going to hold my hand. I did the same thing when I trained as a Reiki master. Um, and I will talk about that in a minute. These are traditions that you don't understand how they've been whitewashed, uh, but you need to make your, you need to do your research. You need to open up your mind and to um, own up to this. Okay, um, you know, indigenous, and it's the same in Australia. I'm sure there's some practices there um, that um, if you and and it's so tempting when you're on your spiritual path to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And even though I'm going to make a proper episode on how to create your own spiritual blueprint, that blueprint cannot be created uh, whilst you are um, um, abusing these minorities. Uh, one of the examples, I had no clue, and I have to forgive my my younger self, is the dream catchers. Like in the UK, you can find them in every single spiritual shop in Glastonbury and all the different communities. And they're not necessarily made and they're not usually made by Native American and the money doesn't go to them. That is cultural appropriation. And you need to stop doing that right away. If you want a dream catcher, buy it from a shop that has an affinity and is linked to Native American communities so that these people have sold it and are making the right amount of money. Never sell your own. Don't make your own. This is cultural appropriation. Even yoga I see as cultural appropriation because yoga comes not only, but mostly from India, and India is a former British colony. So can you see how there's that imbalance of power? But I, until I made my research about Reiki, I had no realization that it was the same with Reiki as well. And I don't teach Reiki anymore. I do use the energy, but I've also been trained as a spiritual healer. So, you know, I, I can call it Reiki. I might stop calling it Reiki, actually, after this episode, because I realized that there was cultural appropriation from um, the US, but then it's it's widespread in, in, in entire world. So why is it cultural appropriation with regards to Reiki? Because when Sensei Takata took Reiki into America with with the um she had the approval of uh of the founder of the Reiki tradition, but she was faced with white supremacy and Reiki has been whitewashed by American people. Reiki was introduced to America at a time when um, Japanese people were put in concentration camps in the US in the 1930s. So when Sensei Takata brought Reiki into America, she was part of a marginalized group that was suppressed and oppressed by Americans. There was a lot of hate towards Asians, especially Japanese people, because of uh, Pearl Harbor and all the things that happened in the war. So a lot of, and then also a lot of 
white Reiki teachers have whitewashed Reiki by linking it to Christian traditions. And actually, that's exactly what happened with my first Reiki master. She taught Reiki as if it was linked to Christianity, and it's not. So she was completely, um, uh, how do you say, um, betraying uh, a culture um, by adding her own bits to it. For me, and I had this instinctively, the use of the word chakra is cultural appropriation. The moment I realized that, I stopped using chakras for energy centers. We have the word energy centers. We do not need to use the word chakra, right? So I'm inviting you today to decolonize your spiritual practices. That means no longer use sage to clean your um, your office or your house or yourself. Uh, white sage is actually a sacred herb of the Native American people who is very important to them. And by commercializing white sage, we are depriving these people of using it for themselves. I'm inviting you to stop using the word chakra. I'm also inviting you, if you're a yoga teacher, to promote yoga teachers who come from India or from the traditional um, culture or countries where yoga comes from so that you give back to that community. I remember still to this day um, uh, a girl, and I think it was on social media, but I can't remember which platform. Um, so she was an, an, a girl from Indian descent whose mom was a yoga teacher who was ridiculed and, and excluded from the yoga communities from white yoga teachers because she wasn't wearing the yoga pants and she wasn't doing this and she wasn't in the, in the circles that promote yoga as exercise. And, and that's ridiculous. That's almost, I, I hope that from this episode, you'll realize how ironic, but it's not just ironic. It's for me, it breaks my heart. So I remember at that time thinking to myself, um, if I ever take yoga classes again, I'll make a conscious effort if I can to buy classes from a person that comes from India or from the tradition where yoga comes from. This is how you decolonize your spiritual practices. Okay. Um. And also one of the things that is suggested, which I think is quite good, is that if someone, if you continue to teach Reiki or yoga, whatever it is, and someone from the tradition, um, from the culture of what you're teaching comes to your classes, then you don't charge them because um, you are already taking from their culture and then a heritage and making money on their back. So it would be adding insult to injury to charge them for the class as well. Just things to think about, right? And maybe donate some of the income that you make to charities that support decolonization uh, or charities that support anti-racism so that you you give back, um, you know, as a thank you to the tradition that you, you're profiting from. So that's about this episode. Uh, I'm glad that it's under half an hour. Uh, it might not be very popular in spiritual circles, but I think it's absolutely essential. Please share with as many people as you can so that we can clean up our act as spiritual people and be better persons. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week. Bye for now.
thank you for listening to the the true spirituality with Ange podcast i want you before you go if i could ask you to be kind enough to rate the podcast and write a review so that more people get to know about the podcast. Please also, if possible, share the episodes with people you think might be interested in listening to them, especially if you've liked them a lot. And um, understand that I'm also available to come and do um, expert talks um, to your communities, your memberships on either intuition in business, spirituality in business, mindset, um, energy, prosperity, and intuition. Thank you so much for listening.